From the heart of Nebraska's capital city, this is the Nebraska Family Alliance Report. Here's your host, Nate Graz. Welcome to the program. Today, we are sharing the latest updates from the Nebraska Capitol and how you can help make a difference this session. Plus, we will continue our conversation with Nebraska State Senator Tom Brewer about his time in the legislature, his work delivering Bibles and humanitarian aid in Ukraine, and how we can be faithful to follow God's calling on our lives. Bill introduction has officially concluded in the Nebraska legislature. Senators are beginning to hold floor debate in the morning and committee hearings in the afternoon, and there will be several NFA-supported bills coming up for consideration in the coming weeks, including legislation to defend religious freedom, protect children, and combat human trafficking. To help us make a difference for family, freedom, and life this session, visit our website, nebraskafamilyalliance.org, to view our bill tracker page for a quick summary and status update of the most important bills NFA is monitoring. You can subscribe to our Capital Prayer Initiative to receive text messages when critical votes are taking place and when we need you to take action. You can also sign up for NFA's Adopt a Leader program and join us in praying for our elected officials, all at NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. Last week, we got to talk to Senator Tom Brewer about the legislative session and the importance of defending freedom. I'm glad to continue that conversation now. Senator, we have talked to you a little bit about uh, your service in the Nebraska legislature, your service to our country. And now I also want to ask you about some of your latest ventures as a private citizen, once again, going out of your way to defend freedom and those who are being uh, oppressed and uh, going over to Ukraine and then coming back and then going back again and going back a third time, uh, actually working with uh, pastors to help deliver Bibles and humanitarian supplies. What was that experience like, and what kept you going back? Well, if you go over there and you spend time with the Ukrainians, you know, the little light bulb goes on in your head, and you go, holy cow, what what I'm seeing is not that much different than what we saw in, in Boston in 1775. You know, you have this giant, powerful country, just as we did with England, they have with Russia, who has decided that they're going to take away their freedom and their rights. And um, they said no, just as we did in 1776. And what you have is a, a situation where they're they're dying in, in pretty large numbers. And they were never intended to win. I mean, if you look at the ratio, uh, the combat ratio was 10 to 1. Uh, they should have lost this war early on. But in the Ukrainian people, you see a very diverse group of Christians that come from, you know, the the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. But you see every church over there. There's Catholic churches. There is Methodist. There, there there's Mennonite communities. There's all of these groups over there. And so you can never compare Ukraine with Russia. They are so different. And and. You know, they take their Christian values to heart, and, and they're there on Sunday, and, and uh, we never we, – we would pray before we went out the front gate on missions, but I saw entire battalions that would stop, and they would pray before they went into combat because they knew that there was going to be some of them that weren't going to come home. You know, on our patrols in Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, once in a while you had IEDs and things would happen. In the case of the Ukrainians – 
they know that there will be a good share of them that won't survive each given day. And um, their spirit to continue and to be free, because they know what happens. If they come swallowed by Russia, they will be uh, servants of a very powerful state that, that will treat them much as they did as uh, part of the Soviet Union. And they've lived it, and they know what's coming, and they, won't, they, they will die before they do it. And sometimes I find myself wanting to go back because that hunger to be free has been lost on many Americans. You know, you, you would like to think that if Americans were given a choice between dying or living in freedom or, or have to die in order to live in freedom, that they would choose to fight and not become part of uh, overpowering central government. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I worry that some would say, you know, well, it wouldn't be that bad. We could figure out how to do it. Uh, to to see the Ukrainians and, and the passion they have to be free and to tell about what it was like to be under communism and then to be free and now to be possibly falling back under that, you can't help but want to help them in every way you can. And you know, I know that giving e-Bibles is a small thing, but to the to the few thousand that had lost limbs and were laying in a hospital to be able to listen to the Bible, it gives them a, a, a hope. And some of them are now back in uniform uh, with, a, in some cases, a replacement limb. But in many cases, they're out. A young man by the name of, of Robert lost his leg when I was there in June a year ago, was back in June of this year, and he's driving a truck. And he's wow. doing it with one leg. And, and, but that's, and I asked him, I said, why, why would you come back after losing your leg? He goes, you don't understand. When they invaded the Ukraine, they killed my daughter and my wife. And my sons are serving. I have no home because my home is on the Russian side of the lines. So what would I do? He says, all I can do is fight until my country is free. There are so many lessons to learn from that. And I know for you, Senator Brewer, as someone who has served all over the world, seen and experienced things that most people can only imagine, even for you, there was something different about some of these pastors that you were working and serving alongside, going to the front lines, even past the front lines, risking your lives uh, to serve others and, and deliver Bibles. What do you remember about them? Well, uh, Pastor Kennedy, uh, who was the primary one I worked with, uh, he's, he's a military chaplain. And in the Ukraine, your, your military chaplain duties go way beyond what we have in the United States military. For one, you don't have just one unit. You work with a number of units along the lines. Uh, your duties go beyond just uh, serving that unit that you're assigned or area you're assigned to, but also uh, to help the civilians that are trapped in the no man's land between the Russian lines and the Ukrainian lines. Uh, and he's also uh, has a responsibility of taking those that uh, are lost and they have uh, vans. So they take the body bags, they, they put them in the vans and they transport them to the home of, of uh, the the soldier that's lost, and and he has the responsibilities then to you know interface with the family, and and so it's a, it's it's a, a horrible job in many many ways. It's it's you know a, a wonderful job if if you have the spirit to do that, and so you know my work over there is not done by any means. As soon as we're out of session, I plan to go back. Uh, we're going to go back to the front. We're going to continue to work with the, the the villages that are trapped in the middle. We're going to continue to uh, bring forward 
it, whatever we can to help those that are wounded in the military hospitals. You know, e-Bibles are easy in the sense that they're about the size of your thumb. Uh, they use the dime-sized batteries. They have a couple of earbuds that go in your ears, and, uh, and the entire Bible's on there. And you can change chapters with a little uh, button. And uh, and I know that seems so small, but uh, if you can imagine how hopeless that would be to have had you know your your legs blown off in a in a mine or something, and not to know your future and your family is trapped somewhere and and you're in this hospital. Um, you know, you can you can find a chance to kind of make a lot of your problems go away if you can just get into the word and, you know, have have hope that you didn't have before. Well, Senator, we, we can't ever underestimate the, the value and the hope that truth and the word of God can provide to those who need it. And Senator, you've been so generous with uh, your time with us. And I have just one final question I would be remiss not to ask you as, as we're having this conversation, I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah 6, chapter 8, which says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And when I look at your life and the times that you have said yes, and you have served our country in the military, you served our state in the legislature, you have served those in need on the other side of the world, why have you so faithfully continued to say here am I, send me. Well, when I, when I retired from the military, uh, it, it wasn't of my own accord. Uh, after two years in the hospital getting rebuilt from being blown up by a, a, a grenade, a rocket propelled grenade, we finally got to where I could pass all of the physical requirements. And, and I was excited to go back and, and continue serving. And uh, the Army came to me and said, listen, you're, you're too broken. You have no value to us, so we're going to go ahead and retire you. Well, if, if that's been your your focus and purpose in life, and now all of a sudden that rug's pulled up underneath you and you are without, you know, you, you struggle through that. And I, and I struggled for a little bit, and I decided, you know, i got to figure out how to help. And so the first thing I did after I officially retired was to go and work with the Wounded Warriors uh, in Montana. And most of them had lost limbs or they had severe traumatic brain injury. Or, and um, we taught them how to ride horses. Uh, we taught them how to pack horses. We talked them how to survive in the wild, uh, how to mostly Native American uh, things like uh, starting fires with just sticks, with navigating during the day, uh, using features, not a compass. And it was stuff that, you know, I had known as a child and maybe hadn't used that much in the military, but it, it, it hit home for me. And I enjoyed taking folks that were broken, that were near suicide, or in some cases had already tried suicide, and give them the ability to learn and, and believe in themselves again and, and find a way to start life over. And I, and I found that very rewarding. And I would have continued to do that, but they came to me and they said, listen, we need you to come and run for the legislature because the guy who's representing your district isn't doing what he promised to do, and we need a voice. And I felt a calling to do that. You know, I, I think probably while I was on, uh, unlike most candidates, I, I decided to ride a, a mule for the 580 miles of my district, which took uh, over a month. Uh, and that's a long time to ride a mule. But if if you're willing to ride a mule for you know a month and a half, and and you come to these little towns and meet people, they tend to remember you. And if you do what you tell them you're going to do, they will remember you when you want to run for re-election too. And so 
you know, I felt an obligation to keep my word and do things. And, and some things you do aren't necessarily popular. You know, deciding to close the liquor stores in, in White Clay, what a popular thing. I got a lot of hate mail and death threats over that. But looking back on it now, for the for the 30,000 uh, Native Americans that were across the border that were being poisoned, uh, that was a good call. And the little town of White Clay now has uh, a number of stores, um, Dollar General stores and and uh, hardware stores and, and you know it's just a thriving little town. It's not this cesspool of of crime and problems. So you know you push through the things that um, others may have decided not to touch or deal with because it's the right thing to do. Not always easy, but when the dust settles, you know, from my time here in the legislature, I think I'll look back at at those decisions. Uh, making Standing Bear the statue in Washington D.C. that might not mean a lot to some people, but to those who study Standing Bear and they understand that he essentially is the Martin Luther King of, of the Native Americans. He's the one that got it so they were recognized as human beings. So, you know, there's there's things that you do that will leave a mark and a positive one that you can look back on and say, you know, um, eight years of, of dealing with some of what you have to deal with in legislature is a challenge. But changing the world in a positive way, whether it be through legislation or, or by changing things in, in places like Washington, D.C., or White Clay or wherever, I think, you know, that's the mark of whether or not you're really making a difference. Well, Senator Brewer, I can't thank you enough for your time and more importantly, for your service to our country, to our state, and for being an incredible example to us all on what it means to really lay down our lives to serve a higher purpose, to defend faith, to defend freedom and our families. Nate, thank you for what you do. 